the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome along to the show. This is the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This is episode 316 for Tuesday, the 10th of February, 2015. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm here in the studio and over a Skype link, I'm joined by my co-host, Brett King. Hello. Brett, good morning to you. Morning. Well... You know, you've said it to me, my colleagues have said it to me, our listeners have said the same thing, we should be talking about Microsoft HoloLens. So I thought, well, look, let's do exactly that. Let's talk about it. Microsoft HoloLens, that sort of hardware-software combination, the thing that you put over your head and you get a 3D augmented reality uh, viewing. Holographic display. Mm, Yeah, a display that you can... Do it's stuff. Cool. Give me, give me a, a use case for this. Well, there's so many. <laughs> give me a useful use case. A useful use case? Uh, designers, architects, planners. Uh, okay, hang on a sec there. Actually, that list is good already to start with. So <laughs> uh, from, from what you're saying, if I understand correctly, anyone currently modeling 3D on a 2D display, like, you know, CAD and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. could benefit from this, right? Yeah. Instead of modeling on a flat two-dimensional display, you could instead have the model displayed in 3D on a table workspace so Mm. that you can move around it and interact directly with it through hand gestures. Is this going to be, do you think, more mainstream than say, Google Glass, and by the oh, way, Brett, I'm, not, I'm not trying to compare the two because they're for different things, but just the nature that Google Glass, a lot of people are saying, is going to remain a sort of a gimmicky gadget. Is this going to also remain a gimmicky gadget or will it be more mainstream? I don't think it will be mainstream. But then again, maybe it will. What about mainstream but- in the industries that would... Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I, I can see, you know, the industries that I mentioned as well as gaming and a whole heap of others who would massively benefit from having that interactive 3D environment, that ability to do those sorts of things. Hell, even businesses would benefit from it because with the augmented reality, you could be sitting at, instead of, you know, Skyping in and having one of your participants in Japan and one of your participants in Germany up on a big screen, you could see them sitting at the desk around with you and interact with them and interact with the augmented reality, whatever else, you know, graph, flow charts, architectural design on your table with those other people in other countries also being there and interacting with the same thing and you interacting with them. It has so many possibilities in so many different fields I that it could benefit, that I see it, it, you know, it being able to be 
utilized well in those different fields to a much greater extent than Google Glass. And it doesn't suffer from the innocuousness of Google Glass for privacy issues, etc. Because you can instantly tell somebody's wearing a HoloLens. <laughs> yeah, and I think, does, well, does HoloLens record? Because that's what I wasn't sure about. Uh, not that I've seen so far, but yeah, possibly it is full of sensors that detect the environment around you. But as long as it is something which is obvious, not something which is hidden, and you know, something innocuous that is made to look like something else, then people will be far more accepting of it. And once again, I don't think it will be something that will take off massively outside in the real world. It's not the sort of thing you would wear walking down the street. Now, I can see many aspects where it could, like in uh, augmented reality game situations and things like that. But then you also start to walk into the fine lines of what is socially acceptable. <laughs> While there are talks of all the cool things you'd be able to do, you know, play a spy game where you're sitting on a bus and one of the people on the bus is not actually a person, it's a augmented reality thing, which is the agent that you're supposed to kill with your virtual reality, your augmented reality weapon or whatever, you're still going to look like a total idiot <laughs> when you come up and stab the air in an empty seat. Uh, the, yeah, the, there are still going to be those social implications that I don't think it will be the big thing out there. Not in the, the you know, the, because it is the, it's not innocuous and your actions when using it are not innocuous. Whereas all of those social implications, privacy implications, etc., that came up with Google Glass were all because it was so innocuous. It was so, uh, you know, hidden. Sure. So uh, I, I think if I understand you correctly, we could see a reasonable uptake in specific industries, but we're not going to see every office worker wearing these or people down the street wearing these or things like no, that. No, not until, not until you know, there's a real use case for those things in there. And they had lots of examples of using it in the home, etc., in their thing where, you know, instead of actually having a large flat screen TV on your wall, you just have a wall and the HoloLens projects a big <laughs> image on the wall for you as if it's a TV. It doesn't um, actually project it onto the wall though, doesn't it? It, it puts no, no, it into your eye your so it looks like it's, just, it's on the yeah, wall? Yeah, it looks like it's on the wall using, yeah. Right. But, and so nobody else can see it unless they are obviously also using a HoloLens, possibly linked to your HoloLens to see what you're watching at the same time that you're watching it, or they could be watching something entirely different on the same wall or on the coffee table or just in the space in front of them. But no, I, I see in those specific industries it, it having massive potential. It's the potential that that sort of technology has always had whenever you've seen, you know, implementations of that, in finger quotes, of it in movies and, and literature when they talk about it in the future technology, holographic and, and you know, all that sort of stuff. This is, this is the sort of thing. Uh, there are all these ways that it could be used. Um, and it, it's, it, it, is, it is, of course, a misuse of the word hologram. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is not an, an actual hologram, but it appears as a, it appears to you as the user as a, in a holographic sort of way, but it's not really. Yeah, you're mm. correct. So uh, well, I wonder why Microsoft have gone down this route. Uh, were they worried that perhaps Google might have come out with something having 
had some experience in developing Google Glass, were they worried that perhaps Google were going to, the next iteration for Google was... You know, when Google Glass was first announced, this is the sort of thing that people thought Google Glass would be, but Google went in an entirely different direction. But they, they went more in the they went more in the it's a little monitor in the the corner of your eye like fighter pilots with you know sure, um, heads up display. fighter pilot yeah heads yeah. up displays they went that way whereas Microsoft has gone the way that everybody envisaged it being in movies and literature this augmented experience that allowed sure. you to, to interact with the virtual in the real. Sure, but it's not inconceivable that Google could have come up with that in time. And no, that, no, and, and but maybe they would, um, they'd already, with their Google Glass format, they'd already shot themselves in the foot. <laughs> right. Mm. Uh, I wonder whether Apple will ever go down the route of any augmented reality at all or whether they're, they, they're staying away from it. It's kind of interesting because, you know, you get the, you've got, you know, in terms of virtual reality and uh, things that are projected into your eye, if like that sort of technology, we've got these three main ones. There's Oculus Rift, there's Google Glass, and then there's this uh, HoloLens. Mm. And and so it, 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 there's more and more of these technologies. Uh, there are others as yeah, well, yeah, some smaller ones, but there's more the, of them coming out. The difference out. between, obviously, Google Glass and HoloLens and Oculus Rift is Oculus Rift is totally virtual reality. You don't see any of reality <laughs> sure. with an Oculus Rift. It is an entirely closed-off system. Yes. You are entirely immersed in a, a, a virtual, a virtual world, or yeah. whatever. Mm. Um, but with the, the HoloLens, you... Kind of, I guess you you get it. You get the well, you get augmented reality. You get the blurring of both of those worlds. The virtual world of laid over top of the the real world. Mm. But I wonder whether Apple will go down that path at all, or, or because I know who knows uh, they did. Haven't they recently? No, no, it was Microsoft that recently put out the the massive patent. Lot. What was it? No, Apple did. Apple did Apple something, did it. but it, yeah. I'm surprised that it, it really hasn't. Um, I, I guess they haven't come to the party. You know, I, I well, mean, maybe they, w- they don't. They don't feel that that's part of what they're they're doing with their system. Mm. It's not where they want to be, or it's not where they want to be at the moment. But Microsoft is, and I think it's pretty cool. And yeah, <laughs> I can see significantly more uses for it than I could ever see for Google Glass. Yeah, well, that's true. Did they announce any pricing on this device? Uh, no, I haven't seen any pricing stuff. What do you think? I, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to come in at about 1,000 US. Yeah, yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Uh, I would guess that it would come in at around about that. It's not unreasonable, is it? It's not unreasonable, but it's entirely possible that it'll come in even more expensive than that. Oh, okay. Um, you mm. would hope that they would, aim, if they want it to be something that is picked up by those different fields where it would find you know really good use that they would aim it for a more manageable price also haven't seen anything that talks about its battery life but it is an entirely self-contained unit no wires no nothing it's just the 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 band the headband you put on your head (laughs) so what are the i mean there are some naysayers as well what are they saying about what, what what's their main points you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen some 
heading down the lines of syndicate wars, uh, everybody seeing a different reality, everybody imposing a different reality on themselves and not having the shared reality of reality anymore. But I think that's taking it, you know, that is jumping over the social boundaries, which are already exist, which means that there are certain limitations (laughs) to acceptableness of those sorts of things in the, the, you know, the wider social public space. Yeah, sure. So I think, um, well, well, I guess one of the other things that its critiques might say is, I think what we touched on earlier, that this is nothing but a gimmicky product that will never take off. See, now, that's what I said about Google Glass. I'm happy I was mostly right about that. But I can actually see usefulness for this one yeah and you know the 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 consciousness of literature and movies for for more than a decade have seen the usefulness of this type of technology Mm. and i think there's one other major field where this would be huge or could be huge education particularly things like the sciences modeling molecules so you you put up you you build this molecule or you examine a molecule and you sort of sit it down on this on the reality table if you understand what i'm saying and you pick up another molecule and you modify that and you put that next to it and um, and the other students who are also sitting around that table can interact with it as Mm, well that's right they can can collaboratively build the molecule Mm. but uh, another 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 field that i just thought of medicine yeah yeah yeah. Medicine, being yeah. able to, you know, the physician being able to see the 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 the, the, per, the patient standing there or lying there, and the images from their CAT scan or their X-rays or ECGs, whatever, also mm. laid out. Yeah, I, I can I can kind of see that. I I just I'm not, what I'm not sure about is whether it's a it's a no-brainer. It's not a finished product. No, it, it's good. It's good. It's good enough to to put to use, but it's not finished. The question is, how finished is it? In other words, give it say ten years, will it have changed much? Would it have evolved much, or not? And I, that's what I'm Knows. not sure about. But I guess yeah. we have to wait and see. Well, with all this sort of technology, as long as it remains obvious, <laughs> then you kind of can put aside somewhat a lot of the, the, the privacies and, and social etiquette complaints that you get for a lot of this technology. Mm, it becomes more accepted. Yeah, because it's obvious. Yeah. Um, it's when you make them innocuous, when you make them hidden, missable, easy, you know, easy to overlook that they then enter that, that part of the, you know, of etiquette and social spectrum where people are not comfortable and are not going to accept it. Well, let's see where it goes. I'm, I'm, I'll be watching the space. We'll be watching the space, won't we, Brad? Yes. Hmm. Okay, look, let's talk about Samsung TVs. There's been mm-hmm. a little bit of concern in some of these stories. Is it scaremongering? I don't know. Perhaps we can talk about that. You see, Samsung smart TVs have the ability to listen to what you're saying, you know, they, uh, voice recognition technology. Uh, in the end user license, or in the policy at least, it says, please be aware that if your spoken words include personal or other sensitive information, that information will be among the data captured and transmitted to a third party through your use of voice recognition. 
Now, they have said Samsung won't collect your spoken work, but they will collect the text version of that, so they won't necessarily collect the audio recording. But the third party will. But the third party party could, yeah. Yeah, The the whole point of this being that a lot of voice recognition that happens on mobile devices and, you know, not not grunty computer-powered devices is actually handled off-site by third parties who do the processing in their server farms for the, the voice recognition and then send back the text or the command that has come through. And that's what they're talking about here is the fact that the voice recognition, the actual recognition of that, of your spoken commands, is done by a third party. In terms of privacy, would you be concerned about that? Yeah, actually. Because it's being processed by a third party, you have no control over that. And also, if it is that it's always listening and always sending that information when the microphone's on, not just when you are commanding the TV, and that's Mm -hmm. what it's saying here is the fact that it's Mm. always listening. Even if if it's turned on, it's always listening and it's always sending that information across. Obviously, it's always sending the information across because it needs to know when you've said a command that it needs to respond to and for it to do that, it needs to process everything you're saying. So it is always sending your entire conversation across and I think that is something that people should be concerned about. You know, because even though we, they say that they that the you know the transmissions are encrypted, when it gets to that third party who's processing it, you have no idea who they are, who who what their controls are, who actually owns that company, what they're going to be doing with all of that voice data that they've collected. Yeah. It's it is something mm. to be concerned about, but it is something that you should think that you would have been concerned about in the first place because you've got an internet-connected microphone and in a lot of cases an internet-connected camera in your living room where people discuss the most intimate details of their lives Mm. and of other people's lives and of their frustrations with all kinds of things like their boss, their bank, et cetera, et cetera. That is all being recorded and sent to a third party. It is something that you should be concerned about and is something that I would, quite frankly, turn off. Okay. Well, we know why. uh, I think it's fairly obvious why it's always listening because it provides a much more seamless experience you can you can say I don't, I don't know what the keyword is or if there is a keyword but you could say hey samsung turn on tv3 please you know without having to actually hit a button it's more seamless but the mm-hmm. the flip side is exactly what you've described going back to when we were talking about hololens uh, and google glass i think it's gimmicky how hard is it to press one button to turn to channel three or say hey tv turn to channel three I could have pushed the three button yeah, like yeah. a dozen times or more in that. Yeah, but just to play devil's advocate though, Brett, could we have perhaps have been saying the same thing when remote controls came in? Oh, I mean, how hard is it to just stand up, walk two paces, push a button and sit down? Why do that we have is to- quite true. Yeah. And I often do actually get up and, oh, things, okay. and right. change the channel manually because it gets my lazy ass out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, you Obesity know... is a growing epidemic around the world. Yeah. Look, I, I I think perhaps what Samsung and others, you know, other TV manufacturers that produce a similar product, I think one of the improvements they could do is at least have an option to either have it always listening or that you hold a button down on the remote for it to listen. And I think mm. that at least gives a little bit, as well as turning it off completely, rather than just having the two always on yeah. or always off. Or, you know what would be even better? Yeah. Having the entire processing system within the device itself. Oh, so never it sends- letting any of that information go over the internet. 
Yeah, or is it C, the internet? Yeah, and I guess, I guess you know, someone might say, well, how is it going to, how are they going to add new features? We can do that through firmware. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, that's I, I like that too. That's that's but an, obviously good that would mean it would be an even more expensive television because it would need to have greater processing power. Yeah, that's to true. Yeah. Do that more storage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that would make that feature available and actually secure and mm. not you handing over personal details about your life, your neighbor's life, your kids' lives. Yeah, that's right. To other people in a foreign country, almost certainly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you have an internet-connected anything, that is an internet-connected way for people to take your oh, information. Absolutely, absolutely. Nothing that you put on the internet is ever secure. Ah, it's not like we haven't heard you say it before, have we, Brett? Oh, indeed. <laughs> and there right, are let's, certain let's... times that you accept the risk, you know, you accept that this is going to, and there are things that you can do to mitigate it. But in this, your, your only option to mitigate this your only recourse is to turn the feature off. Yeah. All right, There's nothing else you can do to mitigate it. It's in those situations that we should not be put in. So companies shouldn't do it. So bad, Samsung. Bad. <laughs> All right. You said it. Look, let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on and talk about just briefly. I saw a story about a 20-year-old from Auckland. He uh, hacked into – he used a SQL injection into the University of Melbourne four years ago. And he appeared in front of a judge in court facing one charge of intentionally accessing a computer system without authority. Now, when he did this, he went ahead with the SQL injection and managed to get a whole bunch of credentials, I think uh, four administrator accounts and I think something like 275 staff accounts. Once he achieved what he achieved... He gave them his contact details, said, this is who I am. Here's what I've found. You've got a security issue and I can demonstrate that by what I've done. You need to fix it. So he's what you perhaps might call a white hat hacker. Yeah. Yeah, So he had had good intentions, but I think it's fair to say... He had good intentions and the cockiness of a 17-year-old who, you know, found an exploit. Exactly. Often that goes hand in hand at that age. But you see, yeah. he <laughs> he had good intentions, although he so his heart was in the right place, but he really didn't go about it in, in the best way. How do you go? Well, well, that's that's what it? I wanted. That's what I wanted to talk about. But how would you prove that they had a security flaw that they needed to fix without testing the security flaw? Well, look, this is what I wanted to talk about. But before we do, just let me mention that uh, for good news. For him, as far as he's concerned, he was discharged without conviction. He showed remorse and he he also, I think, had completed something like 50 hours of community service voluntarily, mm. um, obviously as a way to – he was hoping, obviously, for a discharge without conviction. That was one of the yeah. things he did in, in his bid, if you like, to, to obtain that discharge. So th- this is the thing. I mean, when you find a security flaw like that, what should you do? There are a number of different opinions. Uh, you know, some would say, well, look, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with what he did. The problem, of course, is that he, uh, with what he did, he, he gained personal information – information he shouldn't be privy to so i my answer because the other end of the spectrum is you, you don't do it at all you just walk away don't even bother don't even think oh maybe this is vulnerable to sql injection shall i try it no you shouldn't and and so that's the other end of the spectrum where i said is somewhere in the middle and i can think of a couple of cases that i was involved in one of them back when i was like this youth younger and more foolish than i am now 
<laughs> I, fa- I found a uh, a flaw in the telephone in the PABX system of then New Zealand's second largest ISP. And I went on to prove that I could make international, sorry, I could make national calls on that uh, through their system at no cost to me because I'm effectively going through a local number mm-hmm. or, or an 0800 number, in fact. I attempted to do the same with international numbers, but that didn't work. I demonstrated how the help desk queue could be shut down and then opened up again. Now, looking back, perhaps, you know, I'd gone too far and, and, you know, like this guy that we were talking about, you know, I contacted the ISP. I told them, you know, I I said, hey, look, here's what I found. Perhaps you need to fix your systems. I was very careful, by the way, to uh, not incur any costs apart from shutting down the help desk queue. Uh, But when I was making these, uh, (laughs) these national calls, I would make it ring my mobile phone, but I wouldn't answer it. I felt that that gave me a little bit, uh, a bit more of an air of white hatness, if you like. Yeah. Uh, so they didn't incur any direct charges. As I say, perhaps shutting down the help desk queue may have. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, at least not dollars, but at least unhappy customers that were perhaps connected to that at the time, mm. uh, waiting to be uh, to have their call answered. Now, these days, I would never go about it in that same way. Just like this youth here, I, I wouldn't risk it. It's not worth the risk. I think perhaps what I could do, although it's a lot more effort, is if I had a suspicion, you know, at that point, like, oh, I wonder if this telephone system seems remarkably like one I'm familiar with that has a flaw. I wonder if this one also has a flaw. At that point, what I I think my advice would be is to then go to that company and say, look, I haven't touched your system, but I think there might be a flaw. Can I work with you to find out whether it's, you know, there's a vulnerability? And I, you know, some skeptics would say, oh, they're never going to let you do that. But I think if you approach it correctly and not necessarily over the phone, but perhaps, you know, meet with them in person if you can, if they're in the, you know, if they're in the same city as you, I think you might get, you know, not necessarily an unfavorable response. If you can show you're genuinely interested in helping them mm. and if you can clearly explain some of the potential risks at the same time you have to sort of say well look this may amount to nothing either but you know i'm offering my services the other one that was more recent that i did was i found a privacy leak with one of the uh, government departments where one of the api calls through to their website was giving far more information that it was ever supposed to and personal information and it shouldn't have been mm-hmm. um all i was doing was calling the api call so i wasn't hacking as as such i wasn't manipulating well, anything you indeed if they've exposed the api then it's there for use Th- that's it? right the, the only point. thing the only thing you could say is that the api is actually hidden behind code and you have to you know an ordinary you know just by web browsing you would never see this uh yeah. but having said that you know all i'm doing is going to a particular url and with a sequential number that appears in that url i was able to iterate through about 100 odd customer credentials so I did that, but I knew that I wasn't, you know, breaking into their system. I merely iterated over around about 100, and then I deleted the information, and then I contacted them. And that's pretty much as far as I would ever go these days. Mm. They had a good response, by the way. They fixed it that same day. I had two or three email and phone call updates by the, I think it was the uh, the COO, the chief operating officer, on that and uh, what, you know one of the things he, he said to me was 
I'd like to thank you very much for the professionalism you displayed in the way you reported this matter. That's another way of saying thanks for not going to the media. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Thanks for not putting us on the front page. Of <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly news Exactly. It, it was exactly <laughs> that. But you know, even that was a little bit of a risk. Me iterating through some numbers, perhaps you know, even that might have been a step mm. too far. And so, uh, once again, you are technically not hacking. You are looking at something that they have exposed to the public. Sure, sure. But I, I, I you're right. But having said that, say I had iterated through two million records, that would have been wrong. Agree. Even though I'm not hacking, I think that that's clearly wrong. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm knowingly obtaining information I shouldn't. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I don't know what where you draw the line and how a, a judge would see it, and whether the judge would say, "Oh, well, a hundred is okay, enough, but but two well, million yeah, enough isn't. to be rep- yeah enough to show that it is infinitely replicatable." Yeah, I mean, I guess perhaps you know my a advice statistically significant proportion. I, I guess so, but looking back, I was perhaps a little lucky that they didn't take to this unkindly, and perhaps a wiser thing for me to do was to have put in my the number that applies to me and just obtain my record. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been a far smarter thing to do, but I was somewhat lucky that that time, I guess you could say. Mm. But if you could show that you were iterating through your sequential lists, that means that you were targeting individuals, then, you know, that it was removed immediately. Well, they won't have known I deleted well, it, yeah. but yeah. yeah. And I think, so, I don't know, it's it's one of these things, you know, when you come across or when you suspect there's a flaw somewhere and you, you want you want to try it out, I think you, you the advice is to be careful because you need to think about how it looks at the other end. And perhaps one way of doing that is just putting yourself in their shoes, thinking, let's say we own this system and some some unknown person is just a name and an IP you know a name behind an IP address if you like mm-hmm. did this how could it look yeah it's how you approach when you contact yeah but like i say um you know this this isp one i approached it with all the best intentions i thought i was doing them a favor i thought i was doing the, a good thing I, I thought i was doing the right thing mm-hmm. but i ended up getting legal advice <laughs> so not all organizations respond in the same way or as favorably as others may mm. well of course because they get their backs up going oh somebody's found something it's our mistake but is it their mistake yeah i mean they're doing looking for that mistake and, and here's the thing though what passing could, the blah passing the buck well that's right because they, yeah they get angry because they they have failed to do something and, and they yep. like to offload that anger on onto someone else. Yeah. But the, the fact remains, Those though, Brett, because that happens, I think the advice to people who who perhaps may find themselves in a similar situation is to just tread carefully and perhaps consider just how far you're going to go and and perhaps how far you ought to go to remain safe is maybe just a little bit uh, less far than than you might think. Mm. If you understand what but- I'm saying. You also have to consider that if there is a company out there and you have a strong suspicion that they have a, you know, a potentially serious flaw that could not only impact the company but impact the customers of that company, then wouldn't you also feel obligated to actually do something about that? Actually make that company change? Well, and this, this- whether or not the company themselves actually makes the change or whether or not you just you know, publish a, publish a story going, hey, guys, 
this place here, I'm pretty sure they're vulnerable. Well, uh, I mean, I I see the conundrum because the thing is, if you say nothing, and then a, a hacker in another country, in Russia, in Estonia, in the US, in Canada, wherever, ex- finds it and exploits it, then it's worse for everyone. Indeed. Uh, and you could have potentially yeah. nipped it in the bud before anybody's was harmed whatsoever. So really what we're saying is if you are a company and you have anything that faces the internet, make sure you patch everything. Make sure you keep up to date with security stuff. Don't lay off all your IT staff and outsource everything to third parties that you don't have a really good understanding of. And if somebody approaches you saying, hey, I think you might want to have a look at your system, there may be a security flaw. Then you might want to have a look at that system because you may have a security flaw and you shouldn't go and then put a cease and desist or take legal action against the person who said, hey, fix your system. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's good good advice. And for the other side, for the uh, potential hackers out there or the the security researchers, if you like, I I do think there's some validity in my suggestion, even if it's perhaps your first approach and you may decide if you so wish to take a different approach afterwards. But as a first approach, to go to the company and say, I think there's a flaw or I'd like to test where there's a flaw. Can we organize something? Because I think that this might be vulnerable and the impacts, if it were, are such and such. I think it's worth a try. Mm. I mean, the worst I can say is no. And then I guess it's up to you if you wish to then take, you can take, take it, it to the media. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, I I don't know if that's a good idea either because, you know, know, whether they decide to sue you for uh, bringing, you know, disrepute or to, you know, damaging their brand or something. But anyway. Well, I guess you can give them the, the benefit of the doubt. You have brought their attention to the fact that they have quite possibly got a security issue. And they have declined your assistance to check for the security issue. Yeah, but that's uh, what you should be telling the media. See whether or not the security issue has been dealt with. And if it hasn't been dealt with, then you should tell someone. <laughs> well, I think if you were going to go to the media, that's what you should tell them. That, hey, I suspected this. I went to the company that said, no, go away. But I don't think you should ever say to the media, hey, this company is vulnerable. They've got a security flaw. Oh, no, because then you're just you, opening it yeah. up to actually be exploited. If you and, have and, 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 and you sued as well, mm. potentially. Mm. Anyway, there you go. So tread carefully out there. <laughs> That's our advice. And like you say, Brett, you know, if there are companies out there that are listening to this advice, then I, I think it's a great idea to, you know, if someone does approach you or ha- does say, look, I think I found something, try and figure out their intentions. And, you know, if, if it appears they're benign, you know, be nice to them. And they, they, may, have, they may have helped you. Yeah, they may have just saved you tens of thousands of dollars of security <laughs> consultants. Mm. <laughs> or, uh, or you know, a- millions of dollars worth of bad faith in you being hacked. That's right. Or the government being embarrassed on the front page of the newspaper because you reported it in that professional manner. Yeah. <laughs> like that unnamed government department, which I won't say on the show. <laughs> Anyway, Brett, that is pretty much it. Thank you very much for co-hosting episode 316 with me. Always a pleasure, Ed. It's been a good one. And uh, we'll do it again next time. Until then, have yourselves a great week. Brett, have yourself a great week as well. Mm, I'll try. (laughs) Okay, good one. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) See you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. 